You're listening to Food Integrity Now with your host, Carol Gervais. Hello, everyone. I'm Carol, and my guest today is Kelly Ryerson. Kelly Ryerson is an environmental health writer, filmmaker, and ardent public health advocate. After suffering from several chronic health conditions, Kelly left her career in finance to study functional health, nutrition, and disease prevention. She particularly focuses on the way in which our food system, soil, and microbiome have been corrupted by the rampant use of toxic herbicides. Kelly attended and closely follows the Monsanto Roundup cancer trials and blogs about the courtroom drama as Glyphosate Girl on her blog, glyphosategirl.com. Kelly has a BA from Dartmouth College in Economics, an MBA with a Certificate in Healthcare Public Policy from the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and she also studied integrative health coaching through Duke University. Today, we're going to be talking with her about the recent decision on uh, a Monsanto appeal case, and we're going to learn more about that today plus how the overall trial issues are going. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to Food Integrity Now. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show. Uh, as, I, as I said on my blog post just a little bit ago, I talked about, uh, about the fact that I was going to interview you and stay tuned. And I said, in my world, you're famous. So I'm really... <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad to have you on the show and just to share with us some of your knowledge about uh, what what has happened and what is happening with some of the um, glyphosate Monsanto trials. So, oh sure, give us just a little bit of your background um, of how you started blogging and creating Glyphosate Girl. Sure. So. Um, like many people that are suddenly interested, I think, in glyphosate, I was having chronic health issues and came to a time when I realized that they were linked to gluten. Um, and so I went to a conference actually at the Columbia Celiac Center. And they were talking, it was a bunch of scientists and doctors, and they were saying, we just don't know. If you purify gluten, you don't have the same inflammatory effect um, as you do when you eat a non-purified gluten. I'm like, that's interesting. They're like, there must be something else on this grain that is causing this inflammatory response in some people. And so truly it must have been just someplace in the back of my mind. I was like, I think that they spray Roundup on wheat and grains and, but by no means had much knowledge on it. So I went up to the microphone and I was like, wait, don't they spray Roundup on the wheat? And everyone looked at me super blankly and they're like, what? Even these scientists that are studying, they're like, what could it be? Okay. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I, I think so. And so that opened up like the entire thing. And I was like, okay, no one seems to know about this or they're not talking about it. They might know about it, but it's scary to talk about. And there happened to be someone from General Mills there talking about a gluten-free oat and how like they source them for Cheerios and how challenging it is to make sure that they're gluten-free. And so he was like, can I talk to you for a second? And over in like the corn back corner of this conference, and he's like, we, we see that there's going to be a problem with Roundup, but it's going to take a few decades to get our providers 
to our suppliers to stop using it because it's so critical in agriculture. I was like, a few decades, like, what are you talking about a few decades? You just decide right now to stop. And he said, well, that's just the way it is, but we understand. So you're being heard. And I was like, okay, well, that's good. And I think now we know General Mills is a little more progressive than other places. Um, so I left and then I was like, gosh, I've got to prove that gluten sensitivity is coming from Roundup. Let me look. So I go into PubMed and I came across Anthony Samsel and um, Stephanie Sunup. And I was like, oh, they've already done the work. And how strange, this is the only paper on this. And so um, sweetly, Stephanie was willing to meet with me. So I went to see her at MIT and she kind of gave me the lay of the land. And um, I was like, okay, lo and behold, this trial starts happening. I didn't realize that this trial was coming up. And, um, and fortunately it was in San Francisco, which is very close to me. I was like, I need some kind of catchy name to, um, to get some readership because my goal was to get enough readership that I could then go afterwards and and fundraise to do more research on Roundup and glyphosate. And so I was like, I'm gonna try and make this super entertaining and people be engaged and they'll wanna fund, the research doesn't exist. And so I went up the first day, um, actually it was like pre-trial, so the trial wasn't opening yet. And this is, just so our listeners know, you're talking about the Johnson versus Monsanto trial. The, yes, the that's right, the okay. first one, and so it was summer of 2018. Um, and so I drove up to San Francisco, <laughs> <laughs> and went and I had like signs with me because I was going to protest and I assumed that there'd be a big protest because who doesn't protest against Monsanto and there was right. no one there at all except for lawyers oh my and goodness <laughs> I walked in and I walked like right on through I'm like am I even allowed I know nothing about law am I even allowed to walk through this courthouse and go to a courtroom or is that private or what and so I walked right in and there was Baum Hedlund, like so nice and welcoming, Michael Baum. Um, and uh, let's see, Bobby Kennedy was there and then, you know, all of their lawyers, uh, Monsanto's lawyers. And I went up to Judge Bolanos and I said, is it okay if I blog about this? Would that be all right? And I didn't once again realize, of course, it's open. You can go in and write as much as you want. And I was determined to do it because at the time, Monsanto was making sure a very, very limited access to what was going down in the trial was going to happen. So they only allowed a couple of days of filming, um, which was the opening statements, the closing statements, and the verdict. And as I said, so much is going to happen in between. Who's going to talk about it? And later on, I found out that the lawyers on our side were very suspicious of me because I'm just the kind of person Monsanto might send to try and like get in there and, and like get the inside dirt for them and report back. Like, oh yeah, spot. yeah, exactly. Who comes in one day out of nowhere and is like named glyphosate girl? You know? Yeah. <laughs> At the time I was like, oh, I'm your glyphosate girl. And, um, and so that's how it all started. And then I was like, oh gosh, this is really important stuff. I've got to come every day. So I like, cleaned out my calendar and spent that summer just sitting in, in there reporting everything I was seeing. And I was just blown away to the point that I was still, when I went into it, I didn't really know that GMOs were specifically designed to be Roundup ready and they were designed intentionally to sell more. I didn't know um, that that explains the big explosion in use. And I didn't realize that the EPA is actually super corrupt. And so I think that that might have been a fun thing. Um, a few people have told me reading my blog because when you're not in this world, you don't really know that case. Yeah, yeah. Issues. Um, but when I was learning at the same time, I think it's a lot of my readers. And so it, it improved my readership. Yeah. 
So then, um, you know, since then, so I went to, you know, obviously the Johnson trial, um, did the- And how, the, how long a was that? Seven, eight weeks? What was it? Yeah. So that was a eight week. Eight uh, week. And every day. I oh mean, my goodness. That's commitment, lot. Kelly. That's it was commitment. commitment. I can tell you, it was not all very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the study, I mean, it really, it would be hours just with, you know, one study and debating back and forth, the, you know, the, which is accurate, which is not, which is false, which, you know, the, yeah, the yeah, world, yeah. Which is best. And, um, but I can say since I felt like sort of I was a juror because I was being presented both sides. Oh my God, Monsanto was just screwed from the beginning because it, even when not much evidence could be brought into trial, it still was so overwhelmingly bad, their behavior, that it wasn't a total shock that they, that they won, to say the least. Yeah. I was a little more concerned actually in the Hardeman trial because it was such a lean jury in that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, and what was that? What was the award on the Hardeman trial? That was was it eighty three million? I think eighty three around there. Yeah, and the Johnson, the initial one, uh, which we're going to talk about the appeal in a second, but the initial award was what? Two eighty nine. Two eight. That's right. Million. Two hundred. And then the judge hit that down. Um, what was it? The judge hit it down. Eighty 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 seven or something like that. Or? Yeah, and then. Yeah. And then lower down to 20.5 recently. Oh, okay, let's talk about that because Monsanto appealed. Yes. And uh, so tell us about what's happening there and, uh, you know, just kind of the details about that. So, yes, Monsanto appealed, and this has been a two-year process. I mean, it's really unbelievable how long it takes to get to the appeal process. I mean, two years. Yeah. Um, and... Let's see. And then, and Mike Miller, are, so there was a hearing, I don't remember, sometime this summer. Um, yes. And both sides were presenting their point of view. And Bear definitely brought in some very uh, eloquent and persuasive attorneys, I thought. Whoever, I think it was, who was his name? I don't know, but a Bear attorney. And it was all on phone. And okay. um, did a really interesting job trying to change around the story and you know Monsanto didn't really act too poorly this is you know unnecessary uh, punitive damages and the evidence is very shaky that this really causes um, cancer and you know back to the same old party lines they always give and um, Mike Miller who it was so Mike Miller and the Miller firm are the ones that originally had Lee Johnson as a client and so they primarily represent them so yes. Mike Miller, who is now back and healthy, as we know, um, yes. he defended him and um, gave a lot of great arguments, once again, citing, uh, you know, the ghostwriting and all the poor behavior of Monsanto. Um, and it was interesting listening to that because I felt like there were three judges that were on the panel and it really sounded um, <laughs> like they were really trying to help Mike Miller along, like they had already read everything really carefully. It looks so bad for Monsanto. And so the quest line of questioning sounded like, okay, you know, it's yours to lose. So that's great. It, and they did come through then, as we know, last week. Yes. And they um, upheld the verdict, which is a huge, huge relief. Oh my God. I was so happy. I was so happy for Lee Johnson and his family and for the whole, for all the other plaintiffs because. Right. 
if this didn't go this way, this could have been tragic. Oh my gosh. And at this point, it seems like everything is so corrupt that I wouldn't have been shocked if someone whispered in the ear and suddenly it had been overturned, you know? Yeah, I know. Isn't that sad that we, you know, with our regulators and the judicial system, we're, we're, we're not shocked. No, when it's no, at corrupt. all. Just, yep. yep, that's what they do, but that's really sad. But they did the right thing in this. Instance. They did the right thing. Yeah. What's not feeling so great, though, is how much they cut the award yeah. and, and it's 22 yeah it's 20.5 20.5 10.25 um they it's interesting because the different courts have different ideas and so with this court it's always been so you would have the punitive damages be at a one-to-one -one ratio with the compensatory damages so yeah. it could never be higher than the 10.25 the punitive damages yeah but, um that's differed in uh the federal and um Piliad case yeah. But that that's why it's so so low. I mean, disappointingly yeah. low. And I, my guess is, in fact, maybe it was, I don't know whether it was announced or I read it, but I'm sure that both sides will be appealing. So now we'll wait and go to the next level, which would be the California Supreme Court, and then it's the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay. So we're not finished here. We're not finished. Can you imagine? So was that going to take two more years to get this to the California Supreme Court, and then two more years, and poor Lee Johnson is just there, you know, trying to live? Yeah, how's she doing? So he is, I mean, he's remarkable. I was actually talking to um, uh, the plaintiff, uh, the, the expert witness, Dr. Nabhan, um, who testified in all the trials as the oncologist. Um, and he said it absolutely is beyond remarkable that Lee Johnson is still up and about. And just from knowing Lee a little bit, I am certain that we can all take a lesson that is his attitude. I mean, it is amazing. His attitude is so positive and he's giving so much love out and, you know, he's just not letting him get it, it get him down. And he's still very much suffering as well. Yeah, so, that's, that's amazing. Isn't it? Absolutely amazing. And he, he's a hero in my he book. Such a hero. Yeah. He's yeah. a nice guy, which helps. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, so this happened and then the next step, it goes to the California yep. Supreme Court and then it goes to, to the U.S. Yeah. Supreme Court. Okay. Wow. It would be cool in a way, I don't know, tell me if, from your perspective, if you agree with this, if it, if it did go all the way and then we won at the Supreme Court level, the high um, level. Could that happen? I've been like trying to visualize what that's like. That would be so Keep visualizing it. Keep I am. I'm trying it. to. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That would be so victorious. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So did you actually attend via uh, telephone? The, the, the... Yes. Okay. So and how long was that? That was not that long. I would say an hour. Probably. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was really short because they didn't really rehash all the details of the case, really. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so, our, so our listeners know, so Monsanto, what were the charges against Monsanto? Malice? Would oh, you, of course, malice. Yeah. Yeah, of course, malice. Like, let's see, they, um, so, well, they had also claimed, I wrote this down, let's see, they, uh, so the judges specifically turned down Monsanto's claims that were given during that, that yeah. meeting, um, that they said there was a lack of scientific consensus, a lack of corporate malfeasance, um, you know, 
no, those, they actually did all those things. <laughs> there, is a, yeah. there is scientific consensus overwhelmingly. Yes. And uh, one person I really enjoyed talking to, you might enjoy talking to too, um, is uh, Dr. Zhang, who is a researcher at Berkeley. And Z-A-N-G? Z-H-A-N-G. Zhang. Zhang. Oh, okay. For some reason, Zhang. that's Zhang. Yeah. And she, she is someone that actually served uh, in the EPA um, scientific advisory panel on glyphosate in 2016. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. And um, she was in charge of looking over the epidemiology and then making a recommendation as an outside scientist, what does the research say, which is a process that the EPA has to make sure that, you know, they're always independent people looking. And, um, and so she said, oh my gosh, this definitely shows that it is a carcinogen. It is causing non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. She gave that advice. And then of course the EPA said, thank you for all your work. And we don't find it to be a carcinogen. And uh -huh. so... <laughs> What she did is she went and she collected a few of the other scientists that were there at that EPA meeting and they published their own paper, which is probably why it's familiar to you. Yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that study, yeah, yeah. And, um, and she's continuing, a, it, she's nearing retirement, but she really is so determined on this topic because it's just so outrageous what's happened with the oh, wow. Russian science. Wow, that's amazing. So what's happening with the, the class action suit? So the class action, um, well, so I, we could talk a little bit about um, the proposed settlement that happened a few yes, years ago. Yes, yes. Um, so. Ten, what was that, 10 billion or? Yeah, this yeah. long-awaited settlement. So yeah. the lawyers, the core lawyers, the core lawyer teams, there are a few, um, had finally worked out a settlement number. Um, and I, I <laughs> then separate to that, there was another class action that was supposed to, it was a different set of lawyers and they wanted to, you know, effectively grab a hold of some of this cash, clearly, um, that in the settlement. And so it was an idea that they set up and structured very creatively that for future non-Hodgkin's lymphoma um, victims, potential victims, that they would... Um, they would fall under this one category and their ultimate verdict would be dependent upon a science panel that Bayer and the plaintiff side would put together. And they would spend a few years looking through all the research to just determine whether or not glyphosate and Roundup are carcinogenic. Oh God. I mean, the most outrageous thing it sounds yeah. exactly like what Monsanto has always done and Pharma's yeah. always done yeah. with getting these panels together that are sort of mysterious to make the determination. Yeah. And, you know, Judge Shabria, who's in charge of the MDL, the federal cases, but also sort of the overall picture of, of the whole lawsuit. Um, <laughs> the, the reason why he bifurcated the, the federal trial for Hardeman, what in bifurcation means that they cut it into two and they had in the first half of the trial, they had um, all of the science only with none of the corruption discussed, none of the horrible, <laughs> horrible behavior. And then when that was through then and only then, if it was a, yes, we think that glyphosate causes cancer, then they could go into the rest, which is sort of the punitive damages component of just how much they knew and how much they were hiding and, and all of that. So. 
Judge Strawberry, I think, was proud of this intellectual exercise of dividing it up. And you know, he is a very intellectual man, um, also super funny, but hasn't always seemed to be necessarily all that favorable towards the plaintiff side. But I think when he read that, he must have flipped his legs. He's like, I just, we just had the science, scientific consensus showed and the jury voted that glyphosate is a carcinogen. So you're telling me you're going to take that verdict and just decide in an independent strange panel, like off to the side for all future cases. It just is such. <laughs> so then anyway, they withdrew that whole, like the next day, they withdrew the entire um, settlement plan. So now it's back to the drawing board, apparently, for that. Yeah, uh, I think, being, go ahead. There was no, there was also no labeling on the bottle, which they're claiming is because the EPA won't let them label it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it leave them wide open for future litigation. So it's so yeah. strange to me, because you could always be then claiming it with all the different kinds types of cancer. This is just non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah, I think I read on, uh, I think it was on U.S. Right to Know yesterday that with, with that settlement, had it had been accepted, the plaintiffs, the average plaintiff would get like $160,000. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Which is not enough. Not enough at all. It's not so enough sad. for people whose lives have been wrecked because of this dangerous, dangerous herbicide yeah it isn't yeah yeah that barely covers if, if it does at all the yeah suffering the medical bills and i'm sure that yeah. there's actually i know from some of my readers there's frustration because um you know johnson Hilliard, and hardeman are exempt from that settlement group and so they will likely get a higher payout and that's hard to understand sort of why did they get it and we don't and so that's frustrating too well, there's uh, 125,000 cases. Yeah. Yeah. Lots to divide among. And also, yeah. it really caused their non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I guess that's sort of going to be part of the settlement process where you determine how likely was it looking through your records yeah. that yeah. it would have a roundup versus something else. Yeah. That's yeah. the other thing. That's hard. It can't be that all of those cases were. But do, it's hard to know, you know? Well, yeah. You, you, it's like, I get that they kind of have to look at each one individually. Yeah. Yeah, I, you'd have to. I could see how Bear would think it's in their best interest to do this class action now. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hugely in their best interest. Saves them a ton of money. Yeah. And it's done with. They don't, it doesn't have to be an ongoing, you know, they're the bad guys. and Absolutely. And publicity-wise and stuff, you know. And then Bayer is also dealing with this recent um, class action for securities fraud. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have that one, which it should be. Those, yeah. sold, those bonds were sold with no due diligence, clearly no due diligence. No investor would have bought those up to, to support the acquisition of Monsanto knowing what was coming. Oh, there's yeah. A, there's an internal document um, that... Uh, Dan Goldstein says, uh, who's the doctor at Monsanto, says that um, we're on our way to being corporate roadkill. And this was years ago. If that had been uncovered, I'm pretty sure that Bear, Bear might have still acquired them, but the investors wouldn't have been willing to pay, buy the bonds that funded the acquisition of Monsanto. Yeah, so I, I keep wondering, though, you know, what's the real reason this all happened? 
you know. Interesting. And, you know, there, there are a lot of theories and stuff, and I don't have the answer, but in the back of my mind, I think, hmm. Do you there, mean there's a create the sickness, cure the sickness? Well, yeah, that's the obvious, that's the obvious one, but I don't know. I think there's more. And anyway, I just have, my, I have some theories, so. I want to hear your theories. No. <laughs> what are your theories? I want, I want to be able to articulate them better. Oh, okay. In so, future, so, in a future. In the, in the future. I'll yeah. you. Okay. That sounds great. <laughs> well, Kelly, I love what you're doing. And if, if, to our listeners, if you've not been on her blog, it's not some boring thing that you're just going to be reading about research and blah, blah, blah. She may, it's very creative. It's funny. And um, you're not the only one doing it now, right? You have a, you have someone. Yes. So, so cool. So um, our juror, Bob, Bob Howard, he was a juror on the Johnson trial. And um, he read my blog afterwards, and this was fun, I think, for a lot of them. They're like, oh my gosh, she saw what I saw. Like, it was fun for them to rehash through my yeah, yeah. They weren't allowed to read it, obviously, during the trial. Yeah. And, um, and so Bob and I just started talking and everything, and he turned out to be such a strong writer. And actually, when he, um, when there was question whether or not the verdict was going to be upheld the first time uh, it, with Judge Bolanos, he was one of the people that wrote a letter to her and said, this is why we want you to uphold the verdict. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, And and then the newspapers wouldn't publish it. And so he's like, would you mind? And I was like, I'd be happy to. So then I got those (laughs) published. And um, and I was like, gosh, you guys are all great writers. I can see that everyone had said they're a very smart jury and they definitely are. And so then Bob became my my writing partner. And so a lot of the times he'll cover it. And I just love seeing his perspective from what he was presented um, throughout all of these trials. He has very strong opinions and it's fun to read. So uh, he also, that's... he's also writing a book, which is going to be cool to see what happened in the deliberation room. Oh, wow. 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 Can't wait. I'll have to interview him when that book comes out. Then. Oh yeah, totally. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for work you do. And again, uh, Kelly's blog is glyphosategirl.com. Check it out. Um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised and you'll learn some things too. Oh, so thank you. That's really uh, sweet. Continue, continue your great work. And, uh, you know, this education is not finished as no. Kelly and I were talking before we started recording. And I said, I still meet people who do not know what glyphosate is. And you said you meet people that don't know what Roundup is, which a lot, a lot is, is uh, you know, in our world, it's, you know, that's all we talk about it, but yeah. know, a lot of people just have no clue. So until everybody knows about it and everybody understands how dangerous it is until it gets banned, our work is not done. Absolutely not. We'll keep on, keep on going. Okay. Well, thank you again. And thank you for uh, having me. Yeah. Just really appreciate everything you do. And um, anyway, you too. So so thanks and continue the great work. All righty. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. (laughs)